Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. There are many different saints in our Catholic tradition. Of course, there are some very popular ones that people call upon, St. Jude, St. Anthony of Padua, St. Therese of Lisieux. But I think another one that's very popular that's that people will think about, and especially think about his mother, is St. Augustine and his mother, St. Monica. Because St. Augustine was living this wayward life, and St. Monica was praying for her son all throughout those years, praying that he would come to know God, that he would turn his life around. And eventually, over time, St. Augustine experienced this profound conversion by listening to St. Ambrose. And after that experience, he turned his life around, lived the gospel, was ordained, became the Bishop of Hippo, and wrote some of the great masterpieces of Catholic theology today. So there is a great wealth of wisdom when it comes to St. Augustine. And St. Augustine even has some beautiful thoughts about the Blessed Virgin contained in his homilies. He talks about Mary conceiving the word in her mind or in her mind uh, as a response to the Annunciation, and also living then as a disciple of Jesus in imitation of Mary. Today, we are going to be talking about St. Augustine as we discuss a new book by Sarah Park McLaughlin called Praying with St. Augustine. So St. Augustine was one who was prayed for and one who offered many prayers in his life. And today we will learn how we can pray with him. So thanks so much, Sarah, for joining me today. Thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. Yeah, and I should mention, uh, Sarah is an author of four nonfiction books. She has taught freshman English at Texas Tech University for 34 years, and she's now retired and living in Wisconsin, where I also live. So uh, I'm curious maybe what region, you don't have to give a city if you're not comfortable, but what part of Wisconsin do you live in? Hey, that's terrific. I live in Madison. Okay. I love it here. Sure. Wonderful. Yeah. Do you love the winters? <laughs> You know, I do because I moved here from Texas and Texas has started to get so hot in the summers. I, I kind of prefer the cold weather. It's it's uh, a nice change. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. So, uh, yeah, you know, we say in Wisconsin that we have the four seasons, you know, like you really do get spring, you get summer, you get fall, you see the changing of the colors on the leaves, etc. And then you have blizzards and winter as well. So uh, one of the places I love, and maybe just to draw your attention to this, not sure if you're aware of it, but down in the Madison region, Madison area, there is a county park called Indian Lake County Park. And atop a, a little bluff there is St. Mary of the Oaks Chapel. And so it's a beautiful county park in the Madison area that I love to go hike in. And I also love visiting this little chapel. So uh, I, I just give that to you as if you haven't been there, maybe something to check out this summer to go hike the trails and uh, find that little chapel. That does sound like fun. I am not familiar with that yet. I know there are some chapels around here that I've visited, but not that one. So uh, today we're talking about your book the, with Sophia Institute Press called Praying with St. Augustine. And I'm just curious, what drew you to St. Augustine and to his writings? You know, in high school, I read The City of God, and that really made a huge impact on my life because the fact that we're intermingled, the city of God and the earthly city, and 
I was so moved by his writing. It seemed so clear. I couldn't believe he lived in the fourth century. But what uh, really sparked my idea for the book was I went to a silent retreat. And of course, we would meet in the chapel and have devotions where the nuns would conduct them. So one of the sisters read one of the most beautiful prayers I've ever heard. And after the retreat, I asked her, who wrote that prayer? And she said, well, it's attributed to St. Augustine, but she just had her notes she, and didn't know where she found it. So I just made a mental note. I thought, well, when I get home, I'm going to order prayers of St. Augustine. And I was shocked to find out there was no such collection. There had been some in the past, but there wasn't one currently in um, print. So I decided that was a gap on the bookshelf that needed to be filled. And it's interesting that you mentioned that City of God was the first work of St. Augustine that you read, because I would think that more often than not, people are more familiar with the Confessions, which is really this prayer that St. Augustine wrote. He writes his biography as really this, this ode to Almighty God, in which he says those beautiful words, late have I loved you, O beauty of ancient days, yet ever new, and such. So, so that's a very beautiful reflection of his own life. And uh, I, I think the first eight chapters of the Confessions are very readable. And then it's the latter portion where he focuses on space and time that maybe is a bit more deep, convoluted, maybe not as attractive. But I really love the, the early autobiography that he gives us in the Confessions. So at what point in your life did you read the Confessions? Um. In my college years, I read the Confessions, and you know, of course, many of the prayers in this book are from the Confessions, including the one you just referred to, um, late have I loved you, late did I love you, fairness so ancient and yet so new, too late did I love you, for behold, you were within and I without, and there did I seek you, I unlovely rushed heedlessly among the things of beauty you made, you were with me but I was not with you, which is a reference, as you said, to the fact that he found God light in his life. His prayers um, from the confessions especially are so stirring because he has such a deep sense of humility and um, he's deeply sorry for his past life. And his prayers also show such a closeness to God. So intimate. I like the way he asks questions. He'll he'll just be praying and suddenly ask the Lord a question, just like a dialogue. It uh, really gives readers, I think, a model of prayer. To read his this book is kind of like to take lessons from St. Augustine. It's almost like a school of prayer. You're reading and praying at the same time when you read these prayers. And it took a long time to ferret these out of many different works. Some of his, I'm sure most people wouldn't read, like the soliloquies and uh, many of his sermons. Yeah, I'm familiar with a lot of his sermons, but I'll probably admit you've read more Augustine to write this book than I've read in my own life, probably. So, so kudos to you on that. And I really love what you said there, too, uh, about St. Augustine being this model of prayer. And this is something that I often will preach about, especially uh, at times where we have these beautiful prayers in the scriptures. For example, during daily mass, we read the prayer of Queen Esther during the Lenten season, or uh, we read even, you know, the prayer of that tax collector uh, uh, who says, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, and that's in a parable of Jesus. And 
Um, so, so we have different models of prayer, and that's what I like when we read the saints, for example. So even if you read the diary of St. Faustina, just to draw one out, but there are lots of prayers in there. And so when we encounter how the saints prayed, they give us a language of prayer. They teach us how to pray. And, and so they model it for us. So then when we go into the church and we go before the Blessed Sacrament, well, maybe we read their words so that we learn the language of prayer. But then eventually we're going to start praying and speaking from our heart. And it's going to be those very prayers that have formed us. Is that something that you've noticed uh, as you've gone through the prayers of St. Augustine, that they've really impacted your own life uh, and yes. your prayer? One of the things I am, am astonished by is how deep a grasp of theology he has, like his understanding of the Trinity. Um, he really helps you realize as much as we can what the Trinity is and, and how the Trinity acts in our life. Um, you know, I have noticed, too, there are some about Mary I thought I would mention. One that's beautiful. He brings up things about Mary, just the paradox that Jesus was nursed by her as she fed him milk. He fed her the truth. And mm. this is a beautiful prayer. Be exalted, you who were enclosed in the womb of your mother, you who were made in her whom you made, you who laid in the manger, you who as a tiny infant nursed at her breast in the natural order of the flesh, you who carrying the world were carried by your mother. And I mean, I just get goosebumps when I read his prayers because you're, you're being shown a side of theology you might not have thought of. But I want people to know that you don't really have to be an expert on St. Augustine or prayer or anything else to appreciate the book because there's no prerequisite. Uh, we've used modern language, so we address God as you. And I think people will be amazed at how timeless and timely these prayers are, that they probably can really identify with some of the things that he struggles with. Tell us a little bit about the format of the book, Praying with St. Augustine. So is it just really a collection of prayers and you've grouped them by different themes? Or is there some writing by you, maybe some like introductory comments to each section? Or what could someone expect when they pick up the book? You hit it right on the nail. Um, basically, I have Peter Kreft did the foreword, and he's a lot of fun. Um, he put in there that there should be a warning label that when people read this book, um, the publisher is not responsible for what God may do in their lives. And um, so he did that. I wrote an introduction and a preface, just a really brief introduction to who St. Augustine was and just a little snippet about what he taught, a letter he wrote to a woman named Proba where he explained she had questions about prayer. And then you're, you're exactly right. I developed uh, five sections, prayers of praise, prayers revealing God's attributes, prayers adoring the incarnate Christ, prayers for forgiveness and salvation, and last, the big section, prayers of petition. And that's exactly how it is. So mostly it's a collection of prayers, but it's not a book that'll just sit on the coffee table. It's one that people can actually use as a manual to uh improve or give them variety in their prayer life yeah really a person should maybe keep this book handy they take it to the adoration chapel they take it to sunday mass 
everybody goes into the church, they sit down in the pew, they kneel down, and maybe you pray one of the prayers of St. Augustine, and, and that sets the tone for your prayer for the day as you enter into the prayer of the Holy Mass. Exactly. I think that a lot of people won't have much familiarity with St. Augustine other than perhaps a few famous lines like, our heart's restless until it, it oh God, until it rests in you. Um, and so these are prayers that you probably don't run across in mass. Somebody asked me that and I said, well, I see some snippets in his prayers. Like for example, and you would know this father, he did say, um, heal me blessed physician of souls. And so shall I be healed in from the meditations. And that sounds a little bit like the line, um, say the word and I shall be healed. But other than that, I am not familiar with prayers of St. Augustine appearing in the liturgy. I think people will be unfamiliar yet really impressed by these prayers. You mentioned one of his writings uh, called Letter to Proba, and and you mentioned that one of your sections is on intercessory prayer, and uh, St. Augustine and that Letter to Proba has been very helpful. Uh, I'll admittedly say this, and, and I've preached about this before, but for the longest time, I probably would say I struggled with intercessory prayer just because thinking theologically about who God is, I would think that, well, God is all-knowing. He knows my prayers. God is all-powerful and omniscient and uh, immutable. God is unchanging. So why am I going to pray for something if I can't change God's mind about this intention? But it's really that letter to Proba that opened my own mind uh, to the fact that, well, we we ask God, so we declare our dependence upon him. And we realize that as we pray, as we intercede, that it's not us changing God, but that it's God changing us. And, and I think it always comes down to one of the phrases of the Our Father, thy will be done. And so it's us wanting to align our will with that of the will of God. So uh, I, I guess I'm just curious, uh, what has St. Augustine taught you about intercessory prayer? That exact thing that you just spoke about, that prayer makes us ready to receive God's blessings. God is always showering us with blessings constantly. And he he is, and there again is a paradox. God never changes, yet he, he seems to always be new and fresh in our lives. One of the things St. Augustine taught me from that letter to Proba is that Jesus uh, taught us three valuable lessons about prayer. One, God knows what things we need before we ask him. Two, men ought always to pray and not to faint. And three, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open to you. So there again, it does prepare us for God's blessings and God knows everything. He also, of course, is outside of time, which is hard for us to imagine, is how he knows how things are going to turn out, yet he isn't treating us like puppets on a string. We do have free will and we are able to ask for those things that we want in Jesus told us pray and don't faint so maybe it, it's a little bit like the widow who asked the judge and kept coming back and back and he granted her request in praying with saint augustine your kind of mode or uh, what you're trying to do is teaching people how to pray giving them that model of prayers you mentioned before but jesus gives us the perfect model for prayer and he gives us the our father the disciples kept asking Jesus, well, teach us how to pray. We see you go off 
and you're praying, uh, you know, you're praying to your father. What, what are you doing as you pray to the father? And then Jesus says, well, pray like this, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the prayer goes on. So how does the prayer of St. Augustine, as we see it all throughout his writings, how does the prayers that he's written that you draw out, that you put in this book, how does it align with the Our Father and the model that Jesus gave us? I actually covered that in my introduction. I put from one of his letters um, what St. Augustine said. For example, he St. Augustine said, when we say thy kingdom come, which will certainly come whether we wish it or not, we do, by these words, stir up our own desires for that kingdom. Or when we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we pray for ourselves that he would give us the grace of obedience and that his will may be done by us in the same way as it is done in heaven. And when we say, give us our daily bread, the words this day signify for the present time in which we ask either for that competence, competency of temporal blessings that I've spoken of before, bread being used to designate the whole of those blessings, or the sacrament of believers, which is in this present time necessary, but necessary in order to obtain the felicity, not of the present time, but of eternity. There again is that beautiful vision he has of life on earth and looking forward to heaven. And our prayer really is our lifeline to heaven. It's us crying out to heaven for help and assistance. That's the role of our intercessory prayer, our dependence on God. But there are other forms of prayer, and that's what you also bring out as you talk about the other different models of prayer of St. Augustine, uh, such as praise or thanks or contrition or whatever. So um, how can he teach us to pray just beyond intercessory prayer? That's one thing that I find interesting. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's Catholic, and she said growing up, you know, you learn all the Catholic prayers, which are beautiful, but sometimes she felt a little restrained by them. And she went once to a retreat and heard somebody pray, Heavenly God. And she said, that sounds kind of funny. Can we call him that? Um, I noticed that his prayers of praise give us some interesting models because we probably do tend, if we are praying to the Lord spontaneously, to just pray prayers of petition, to ask him to help us and heal people. So, for example, this beautiful prayer of praise gives you an example of one of his models, and it does mention the Blessed Mother. All honor and praise be to you for his miraculous incarnation and holy nativity, whereby he took flesh of the substance of his Blessed Mother for us and for our salvation so that just as he had been before from all eternity, very God of very God, so he might be in time, very man of very man. All honor and thanksgiving be unto you, O Father, forever, for that shedding of his most precious blood by which we are redeemed, and for the sweet pledges and lively memorials of that love, the holy and life-giving sacrament of his body and blood, by which the members of your church were supplied with daily food from heaven, washed and sanctified from their sins, and admitted to be partakers of the divine nature. I just think that's a beautiful prayer of praise that we could you know, join with St. Augustine and send our words to heaven. Yeah, I feel in our spiritual lives, it's really always the intercessory prayer that we draw upon, that 
you know, I know so many people with cancer or I uh, know people who are going through difficult times or they're discerning something. And so I'm praying for them, but it seems that I probably don't praise God enough in my life. One of the ways that we praise God uh, is through the Gloria that we pray at Mass. Glory to God in the highest, not on earth. Peace to people of goodwill. We praise you. We bless you. So that's one of the ways that we give our supreme praise to God is through that prayer, through the holy sacrifice of the Mass. That's that's another prayer of praise. But yeah, I just feel in my own life, I probably don't praise God as much as I should. I know. I, I feel the same way because sometimes I feel guilty with the long laundry list, like you say, of praying for others, which of course we are told to do. But it is refreshing to see some prayers that are just purely praise, as well as the thought-provoking uh, parts that make us really wrap our minds around some of the things in theology that we might not uh, think of otherwise. I think that St. Augustine was so instrumental in developing the faith, the Trinity. He has one prayer for the Catholic Church, if I can find it here, which was interesting. I didn't know that he ever specifically mentioned the Catholic Church. Is it okay if I read this prayer for the Catholic oh, Church? Sure, please. Okay. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, permit, I pray, your unworthy servant to express his charity by enlarging these petitions and let them prevail oh, for wow. blessings, not only on myself, but on others. Let your favor be ever present with your holy Catholic Church and with every member of it, men and women, priests and people, all who believe in you, all who labor in your love, increase their graces daily and enable them faithfully to improve and persevere in every good word and work. Yeah, that's definitely a beautiful prayer. I really love like the fact of asking God to enlarge the prayers that we're already offering, like make them bigger. That, you know, I might offer you something very simple, but you can make my prayer grander. I, I, I really like that sentiment. Some At some point, he said, too, everything that I have said and taught that is truth, keep, and anything that I've ever said or taught that's a falsehood, take away. I mean, he's just so humble. He, he allows himself to be used by God. He has, to me, such um, unique ways of addressing the Lord. For example, O wisdom, O sweetest light of the mind made pure, my Father supremely good, beauty of all things beautiful, O truth, and this one, O banquet of love, heavenly sweet. I mean, those, those ways of addressing God, they just are moving and inspirational. It, it really gives you a new dimension to your prayer life to join your voice with his. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, we're echoing those prayers of one of the great saints of the church. And so that's that's just something to kind of marvel at. Like he prayed these words centuries ago, and we're still able to pray with him. We're able to pray in the same words and that God continues to hear the prayer of St. Augustine from so long ago. Exactly. And Perhaps we're joining our voices with all the angels in heaven. I mean, that's just kind of an exciting thought that we can pray these prayers that were written incredibly long time ago and that they're available to us. That's why I was so surprised there wasn't a book on the market. And um, I mean, there have been some small ones before, but I, I started this 
project to tell you the truth many years ago. And I looked by hand through those fathers of the church, those volumes and um, old school. I mean, this was before computers. I started collecting them. And like you said, it was a time consuming project. I've read before that St. Augustine wrote five million words. And I can't say that I got through all of those, but I, I made somewhat of a dent in his writings and just looked, you know, in his readings. And a lot of times, especially if you read the confessions carefully, you'll notice that prayers are just in, embedded. Ever so often, he just spontaneously cries out to God. And he also does that sometimes in his sermons and his other works. So it's difficult sometimes to decide, is this a prayer or is this part of a sermon? So I just use my best judgment. And I think people will enjoy, they'll really get an overview of the flavor of his variety, his holiness, how eloquent and clear he is. So I can only think about the influences in the life of St. Augustine, because he has the influence of his mother, Monica, who spends years praying for him. He also has the influence of the saintly bishop, St. Ambrose. And so he sees St. Ambrose, hears St. Ambrose. So I, I'm assuming that these individuals influenced him. I'm wondering if you have any kind of, did you see that or do you come across that at all? Of course, I, I know what you mean. That's Those were major influences in his life. One of the things, I guess, uh, since I taught English and, and I actually taught freshman English, mostly argument and rhetoric, I am influenced by the fact that he actually taught rhetoric and um, he, he had a chair of rhetoric in Milan. So to me, it's kind of exciting because I, I've always looked up to him as a role model, somebody that's holy and clear. His thoughts are clear because he focused on the truth. He, he does not mince words. He speaks the truth. And I think that a lot of um, his influence may have come early. He was such a brilliant man. So in love, he fell in love, as you know, with wisdom first, before he was even a Christian. He read Cicero. And then with the influences later, the Christian influences in his life, once he was baptized, he was just set on fire. One of the things about St. Augustine that just really uh, inspires me, I guess, is at the end of his mother's life, he her they're on I think a boat if I'm not mistaken, and basically she talks to her son and says, "Don't forget to remember me at the altar." And so, in a sense, Monica is saying, "Don't forget to pray for me. Don't forget to offer the holy sacrifice of the mass for my soul." And she's pointing right there to him for him, saying that this is how you can pray for me even after death. And uh, I thought I think that's a very beautiful sentiment. And uh, did you come across anything else in terms of prayers of St. Augustine, maybe for the dead, for for the dying or anything like that? I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. It may be in there. I know that what you're talking about, how close he was with St. Monica, I um I can't remember right off the top of my head if there's a prayer for the dead, but I'm sure in some of the prayers and petitions, I pulled out some of my favorites here that I have in front of me. Uh, he probably does mention prayer, praying for the dead. I'm sure that, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention is interesting. One of the original concepts that St. Augustine had was the image of the Trinity that we reflect, that we memory, understanding, and our will to live 
that's an original idea of his. And he talks about how we are made in the image of the Trinity, which I find fascinating. For sure. The, the fact that, yeah, and that's something we see right there in Genesis, you know, that God created man and woman in his own image. And uh, and so for him to draw that out and for us to to really be able to see ourselves as as that child of God that we are and and given the dignity that 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 accords us for sure. Um, as you came across St. Augustine reading his writings, well, what's one of the most powerful things that you took away after you wrote this book or after you collected these prayers? Like uh, what what's kind of the one thing you want? to communicate to people uh, through through and about St. Augustine? Just that he had such a deep devotion to God. And like you said, one thing that you've mentioned, St. Monica, the fact that she prayed and cried for him so many years before he converted, it really, to produce a son like that, that would have the most unbelievable effect on Christianity. I think that people would be honored to read these prayers. And as they read these prayers, think about the role of the mother, the Blessed Mother and Monica in his life. Had it not been for her and her prayers, we wouldn't have St. Augustine. We wouldn't have these treasures in the church, one of the greatest fathers of the church. We owe a debt to St. Monica. And St. Monica is, you mentioned her a while ago, and I wanted to say a lot of churches will have groups that pray for people who have left the church. And St. Monica is the role model there to never give up. And I think St. Augustine took that same um, feeling from her of persistence, of staying in the faith, that um, no matter what happens in your life, uh, these prayers really do give you courage and the feeling that you can go on and that God will help you overcome anything. As you uh, collected all of these prayers and put them together and praying with St. Augustine, available from Sophia Institute Press, is there one prayer that you've returned to time and again, kind of maybe even one that you've memorized? I love this one. I, I'm not sure that it grabs everyone, but it's one of my favorites in the book. And it does again mention the Blessed Mother. O manifest infirmity, O miraculous humility, in which the whole divinity lay hidden thus. The mother to whom his infancy was subject, he was ruling with his power, and she at whose breast he was nursing, he was feeding with his truth. May he who did not despise to take on even our first beginnings perfect his gifts in us, and may he who for our sake wished to be made the son of man make us sons of God. I just, that's so beautiful. That one I do turn to when I think of him. That's probably one of my very, very favorites. Another really short one is, God, always the same. Let me know myself. Let me know you. I think one of the beautiful things about all these prayers is, is that the individual who's praying them can, in a sense, dissect them. They can do a kind of a quasi Lexio Divina on them, that as they read the prayer, maybe there's a certain line there, and they just sit with that line and they talk to God about that line that that all of the prayers, yes, they they are addressed to God and, and they can be just a prayer themselves, but they can lead us to further 
and deeper meditation and contemplation of God and about who God is and the mystery of God himself. I know I wrote the book in mind. The audience I had in mind was anybody that's exploring faith and prayer or anyone who's curious about models of prayer that they might use to add, you know, variety to their prayer life or strengthen their own faith. Catholics, of course, have a special place in their heart for St. Augustine, but many other Christians as well appreciate him. And I've been I've been kind of surprised to learn that in my studies that he's influenced other people as well. So it just gives you a chance to look at other models of prayer, and especially from someone as powerful and profound as St. Augustine. He's just inexhaustible, the riches of what he wrote. Yeah, and you are helping us to really unearth the treasure that is St. Augustine uh, in your new book, Praying with St. Augustine. And if people want to learn more about you and about your writings. You've written other works. You also uh, have a series called Misunderstood Catholicism. Uh, how can they learn more about you and uh, all that you're doing? There is a website called Medium. And so the web address of my blog is www.medium.com slash at Sarah S-A-R-A dot McLaughlin, M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. And what I, it doesn't have a whole lot of entries. I'm not extremely into social media. I'm kind of an old school person, but I have had fun writing on the blog. I have one of my articles on there is called Call to be Catholic, and that's the story of my conversion. Uh, I became a Catholic in 1996. So that's, that was a real honor. I always, I was uh, kind of a closet Catholic forever. I grew up in a Protestant home, but eventually came home to the Catholic church. And I'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes so that people can more readily find it and be able to learn more about you and your writings. And of course, your book, Praying with St. Augustine, is available from Sophia Institute Press. You can go over to their website, a link also in the show notes, or you can buy it wherever you buy your Catholic books from your local Catholic bookstore or anywhere else online that will be supplying it. So thanks so much for joining me today and sharing uh, the depth of research and wisdom that you've learned and gained uh, from St. Augustine. Thank you so much, Father Looney, for having me on your podcast.